2: enjoy a tall cool dude i grew up like most kids worried i couldn't bench two plates that i wouldn't fit in that i wouldn't
3: find love then i discovered partying and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside i didn't need love i had keg stands i discovered i was great at
2: raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself i could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential.
1: The Nightcap on
4: WGR. Sports Radio 550. What's up? Friday Nightcap here on Joe on the Nightcap. Well, let me start over there. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biassi here on WGR. Hell of a day today here on the station. We had Ricard Gronberg on, um, some good interviews on the Leafs. There was a spit take that happened at one point. It's been a good day and uh, lots going on. We will, I want to, usually we'll wait to play like the interview of the day, but Ricard Gronberg, man, on the station today, if you missed it, uh, must listen. Uh, He was great talking about his qualifications for being an NHL coach. Wanting to be in the NHL, even a little bit on the Sabres. And Lawrence Pilot, some of the Swedish players on the team. Uh, Ricard Gronberg, one of the top candidates, I would think, for the Sabre job right now. If I had to rank it in terms of likelihood that they'll get the job, Tippett would probably be my top guy. Um, Maybe I might have to go with Jacques Martin, number two, as much as it pains me to say that. And then I think maybe Gronberg would be right after that. Like He's definitely in the mix, how serious a candidate, I don't think we know, but he's definitely in the mix. Uh, Brayton got him on with Howard and Jeremy this morning, and it was a really good listen, so we're going to go right to that to start today's show. Um, so give me your calls at AO30550, some reaction to Gronberg's interview, and we'll talk some Sabres coach search at the end of this. But here is Ricard Gronberg on with Howard and Jeremy from earlier today, in case you missed it.
2: Let's go right to the West Her hotline because uh, we are going to be joined by Ricard Gronberg from the Swedish national team. They're busy preparing for the upcoming world championships in Slovakia. Uh, Ricard, it's Howard and Jeremy here in Buffalo. Good morning sir. Thanks for coming on with us today.
3: Well good night good afternoon from here in the Czech Republic.
2: Yeah listen I you know we want to talk to you. we had Tommy Boosted on the show the other day Ricard and he had a lot of great things to say about you and I wanted to talk to you about European coaches not getting jobs in the NHL. But you know the reason why we also wanted to talk to you is your names being mentored as, as a guy that might be in the running for the Sabres job. Are you interested, first of all, in coaching with the Sabres or an NHL job right now? Are you interested in that position?
3: Yeah, I think I've been pretty, uh, pretty uh, um, open with that. Uh, I'm looking for a, for a coaching opportunity, and um, there's been some openings in the NHL, and, of course, there's going to be a lot of speculation. So, um, you know, to, to answer your question, I mean, I'd be very interested in, uh, in, uh, in moving into a position with, uh, with an NHL team, for sure.
2: Did you interview last year for the Rangers job?
3: I had talks with uh, with different NHL teams. Uh, Rangers, one of the teams that I was talking to, uh, and uh, you know had a had a great uh, conversation with uh, with the Rangers uh, people, and uh, uh, so when and I think it was really uh, really interesting that they made a choice they made with uh, with a college coach, and uh, obviously two college coaches uh, been hired last year. I thought it was a little bit outside the box. Uh, yeah. and I, I appreciate that. I think it's going to be more and more college guys uh, um, getting opportunities. I think it's going to be. More uh, um, non-traditional um, coaches coming into to the league, and, and obviously, um, you know, I'm interested. In someone like myself as well.
2: Yeah, I was wondering if last year, if your name being out there, are you talking to the NHL teams? Can it help your chances this season?
3: I think so. I mean, like I said, you know, again, there's a lot of speculations out there, and and, and I think it's awesome. That's great. I think that's that's part of the the, the work. I. Not so heavily involved right now in, in the sense of I'm going to concentrate on the World Championships. I have agents uh, that work in, work in that and, and uh, see if they're out there. And you know, obviously, I'm used to working with NHL players. That's uh, more or less my whole team here are, are NHL players. So um, so that's uh, that's kind of you know crossing out that box and. Uh, you know, being very fortunate enough to work with some some great players growing up in the Swedish program and being involved with the national team for 12 years, so um, I feel comfortable saying that uh, you know, uh, the be uh, it'd be very interesting. I think it'd be a good fit with some some organizations that maybe look, maybe looking outside the box a little bit.
2: There was a report uh, the other day that Jason Bottrell is planning on interviewing candidates while in Europe. He's with the Team Canada, one of their three GMs. Has there been any contact with you with the Sabers with Bottrell? Are there any plans you can tell us about?
3: Yeah. Again, I mean, like I said, you know, there's a lot of speculations out there. I mean, obviously Buffalo's looking for, for, uh, uh, for a head coach, and uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm looking for a job. So of course there's going to be speculations there, but uh, you know who I'm talking to and, and everything else, uh, it, it's kind of uh, uh, not out there, and I'm going to uh, obviously maintain that way. I think it's uh, you know with courtesy for everyone.
0: Talk to us about the type of coach you are, the type of system you run, the type of teams that that you play. If you're Watching a team that that you've coached, what are some of the hallmarks of uh, of what they do, of how they skate, how they how they move the puck, and attempt to to win games?
3: Well, first of all, I think you need to assess what kind of team you have and, and look at the strengths of your team uh, before you, you you know really do anything. I I think you know your job as a coach is to assess the team and make sure that you have a game plan that kind of plays into your strengths. So I think that's uh, that's the number one on the list. Uh, I've been very fortunate here with the Swedish uh, program and the Swedish national teams to have unbelievable good, um well obviously great skating defensemen you guys have have uh, one if not two in, in Buffalo there and, and uh um you know obviously we are involving our defensemen um in in the rush we are very very offensive minded defenseman we uh, we have a kind of free flowing game um, if you like you know we we, we like to interchange positions we need to uh, involve everyone uh, in in offense and as well as defense and um, you know um, I think yeah, i'm more of a situational guide than, than telling a player hundred times a hundred you got to do this because uh, there's there's different situations out in the ice and allow the players to make make decisions um you know obviously it's a very fast game and if I believe if you let the you know, set up a structure where the players understand the structure, but at the same time, you're making quick decisions on the ice. I think you can capitalize on the creativity as well as uh, have something to lean on.
0: It seems like a trend that, at least I've been reading about lately, is positionless hockey. You you mentioned it as guys moving all over the ice, but almost that, yes, guys play defense and guys play forward, but it's such a moving a set of moving pieces that it kind of starts to resemble positionless hockey. Is that something that you think that you kind of employ or that, that the league is moving toward, you think?
3: I think we've done it for, for quite a few years here. Um, you know, when we set our, as we call it, common threat with all our national teams, uh, we you know, obviously we, we assessed our strengths, and our strengths is obviously we have very intelligent hockey players, we believe, especially, you know, really um, – you know, uh, special centres are really smart. We have defensemen that are very free-flowing and and can make the offensive jump up and attack. So for us, it was pretty natural to implement that type of a system. Um, So uh, at the same time, I mean, it doesn't mean that there's no structure in what we're doing. However you know we got to allow the players to make decisions um, and and I think you're making even better decisions and be even more creative if you have some kind of a system that you know what happens if i if I lose the puck here or if I uh, you know um, someone uh, outsmarts me in different situations we have a structure of um, regaining the possession of the puck and and um, I think that's uh, that's important to to understand it's not you know just five guys out there playing you know open hockey it's it's a structure behind it as well
2: Ricard, uh, you know there hasn't been a European head coach hired here since, I think, 2001. The, the number of European players has obviously increased over time in the NHL. How come there haven't been any coaches hired to be head coaches here?
3: Well, it's, it's kind of a tough question for my, myself to, to answer, but uh, um, you know, I, I don't really see myself as being a European coach. And you know, When I came over from being over in North America you know, being in the U.S. for 20 years, I'm a you know, U.S. citizen. Yep. Um, when the, the federation recruited me because they wanted to have someone outside the box um, you know, um, they there was some resistance from from Swedish culture, Swedish uh, uh, media, uh, among other things. Uh, you know, you're recruiting a North American into the Swedish system, but obviously it really paid off. Um, so I see myself more of a hybrid guy. Um, you know, obviously I'm coming from a Swedish background, but I mostly most of my career as a coach, I've been over North America. So it's uh, um, you know, I think what organizations or NHL teams need to assess is what kind of a coach you're looking for more than anything else. If it's a rookie coach or a veteran coach or if uh, He's born in, in Stockholm. or If he's born in Buffalo, it doesn't really matter. you are looking at uh, the person, the, what it brings to the table, and, and um, what, it, what it, does it fit in our organization. I think that's more of a, a key, key key questions to to uh, to answer.
2: You know, you mentioned you know you you coached, you have exp- you played collegiate hockey here. You coached in the college ranks. You coached in the Canadian Hockey League. Is so? Is there a European style of coaching, and then there's a North American style of coaching? If there is, what are the main differences?
3: I think uh, in Sweden worked a lot more uh, flat organization. I, I think, uh, uh, which which I really appreciate to a certain point. You know, I, I think uh, uh, Swedish coaching, generally speaking, and we used to call them uh, trainers because they're really good on the ice to train the players real well. So the, the word was was you know in Sweden used was, was trainer. Um, when it comes to coaching, uh, the coaching wasn't really um, up to par. Uh, maybe you know say about ten years ago, but I think uh, that's really changed. Uh, that was one of the big things that I brought to the table too, of, of you know our coaching educational program, just to coach, you know, game coaching, um, you know, assess the, the strengths of the team and how do you put the lines together, how do you use them those lines, um, and all that stuff and, and game preparation. So, um, but at the same time, I think what North Americans are good are just that. So I think it's a combination of because um, I, I believe and you can ask questions to people around yourself. I think that's development as well as asking questions to players, but. Uh, everyone knows that the head coach is making decisions at the end, and, and the head coaches need to make decisions. And so I think that's really important that uh, there's a guy in charge, um, you know. Uh, and so you know, you can work in the flat organization for a while, but you know, same same time, the buck stops there as well.
2: We're with Ricard Gromberg from the Swedish national team. You were talking a little earlier about you know skate, fast skating defensemen and talented young defensemen, and of course, you know, Rasmus Dalin is here. How did you have any opportunities to watch any of his games this season with the Sabers?
3: Yeah, I, uh, as a matter of fact I did. Yeah, I uh, I watched him quite a bit, uh you know, not not so much live, but you know, at the same time I watched quite a few games and also obviously I saw the straights he was making and um, what I really appreciate, appreciate about uh, Rasmus is the way he's he's moving the puck and everything else, and he's doing it at the at the highest level. Uh, and, and at the same time, I also saw him making improvements in the defensive game. And, and you know, he 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 does play with a chip on his shoulder. And you know, I think he's a he's a tremendous uh, defenseman. I think he's a tremendous hockey player, and he's just going to get better. And I really enjoy working with him during the Olympics because he uh, he really. Uh, you know, he's really in six, uh, six-year-old, and he's is
2: really easy to coach. Go ahead, Ricard,
0: did you have any uh, consideration for having Rasmus to play on the world championship team with you this season? Or was it more of just a, hey, he's been through a lot already in his rookie year as an 18- and 19-year-old? Maybe just give him a little bit of a break
3: well you know obviously we had the discussion we we uh, call out like we do in, with with uh, quite a few players and, and we'll we'll gain a, you know see if they have any interest and we're we're pretty uh, uh adamant about the players being 110% ready to go with, with their national team and uh if you have you know injuries or anything else you know contract situation family situations we we feel like you know you need to put the emphasis on, on yourself and your career um and it's nothing different with the so you know um after having have a talk to him uh you know, uh, we decided to, to move on, and, and you know, obviously for him to have a great, strong summer here to be even better next year for the Sabres.
0: Ricard, I know that you've had plenty of experience coaching uh, some of the Swedish players that the Sabres have currently in their organization. Just want to get your thoughts overall on some of those players. I mean, you've, you've got the chance to coach uh, Alex Nylander, a little bit with Victor Olofsson and Rasmus Asplund among some of them, but um, just want to get your thoughts on some of the young players that you've had experience with with the Sabres organization.
3: Well, if you started back in, I think uh, Pilot is a great player. I, I think Pilot made some huge steps uh, last year. Uh, you know, he he really contended for a, for a spot on our team last year, and uh, he had a great year in the SHL, and I, I think it's, it's, it's great. I, uh, he uh, got to uh, get some games in this year. Uh, he's a puck-moving guy, and, and I think uh, he really really wants to be a player. He's determined to be a player. So, uh, you know, he's uh, he's got to keep making strikes. Um, you know, all of a sudden is a for me he's a sniper. He can really put the puck in that. He's intense uh, in his way of, of moving around the net, Um I, I think he's got uh, quite a bit of top-end skills that uh, you can definitely see in a power-play situation. Uh, Lander I had in the, um, you know junior world championships. Uh, and you know, even though he's you know as an under he was two years younger. He's a '98 born. He's playing '96. He was a leading scorer on that team and. Uh, you can really tell he's uh, he's also a gifted goal scorer i think he's he's great around the Nets. he's uh, he's got natural ability to be in the right place at the right time um and uh so you know um you know the, you you got some prospects that really uh, will make some some strides this year he got Osplin as well um you know i think he's a is a responsible def- you know defensive centerman or two-way defense um, uh, centerman you can you can use him I and mean, he does have enough offensive upside but i think he's a very responsible and reliable center
0: Ricard. Over here, one of the big maybe debates or conversations we have is about analytics or data-driven hockey. You've got some coaches that do subscribe to it, others that kind of use it with what they normally know, and some that just disregard it altogether. Pilot was a big, uh, big sticking point in that because he didn't play all that much here. He was down in Rochester in the American Hockey League. When it comes to implementing the data-driven stuff, the stuff that maybe you need to chart over multiple weeks multiple months multiple games uh, do you incorporate that kind of thing into the way that you coach and in, into decisions that you make?
3: what I like about statistics is the cold values as I call it uh, cold value means that values means that you actually happen I mean' it's, it's black and white is right there uh, and I think it's it's information that I think is very valuable uh, but it's how we interpret that information I think that's that's a key thing how do you interpret it to your style of playing how do you interpret it in a way of, of the way you coach in a team. Um, so there's different valuables that needs to be ready into the statistics and the, uh, analytics. Um, so I think that the biggest key is I, I think it's great. There's so much information out there. You know, obviously there's quite a bit more since, since I played. Uh, But, you know, how do you boil everything down as decision-makers? And and I'm talking everything from GM, head coach, and and, and other coaches uh, around the team. You you need to make decisions. What's really important to to your team and your organization um, and have those values, uh, you know, obviously interpreted and and, and boiled down and presented to to, uh, uh, the players.
0: You feel it's important for the players to understand exactly what it is you're looking at?
3: Well, I think I don't think you need to overload the players with stuff, but I think they need to have an understanding what what you're looking at when it comes to statistics and uh, analytics. You know, Uh, but at the same time, we need to. uh, I think to to have the information is is very valuable because it's actually what happens, and and you need a little bigger sample than than just two or three games. Obviously, need a bigger sample size. So, uh, but I think it's uh, it's, it's, uh, information. I think is very, uh, very um, uh, valuable to an organization as a coach.
2: Ricard, thanks for giving us some time this morning. Appreciate it, and good luck with the Swedish national team in the World Championships.
3: I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys have me.
2: There he
4: is, Ricard Gronberg on the station today. If you came in somewhere in, in the middle there, uh, and you want to hear the whole thing, it's on demand at WGR550.com. Figure figured we play that back right at the start. Rather than have me blab about him for a little bit and then play it back. So, uh, well, your reaction 8030550 is the phone number if you want to talk Ricard Gronberg and the Sabres coach search, Dave Tippett in the race as well, uh, Jacques Martin, Todd Richards. These are all names that are kind of in the Sabres coach hunt uh, at this point. 8030550 is the phone number. Your thoughts at 55550 text wise, or if you want to do it on Twitter at Sneaky Joe WGR. We'll continue with the nightcap here on WGR after this break.
3: What I like about statistics is the cold values, as I call it. Cold value means that you actually happen. I mean, it's black and white. is right there. And I think it's information that I think is very valuable. But it's how we interpret that information. I think that's a key thing. How do you interpret it into your style of playing? How do you interpret it in the way of the way you coach in the team? So there's different variables that needs to be read into the statistics and the analytics. So I think that the biggest key, is I think it's great. There's so much information out there. You know, obviously, quite a bit more since I played. But, you know, how do you boil everything down as... Decision makers, and, and I'm talking everything from GM, head coach, and other coaches around the team. You need to make decisions. What's really important to your team and your organization, and have those values obviously interpreted and boiled well down and presented to to uh, the players.
4: Ricard Gronberg. If you missed the interview that we just played back here on WGR, he was on with Howard and Jeremy this morning. It's on demand. WGR550.com, the Radio.com app. Um, your reaction: eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Better way to get us tonight, probably the text line, 550-550, or on Twitter, at SneakyJoeWGR. A couple of you already reaching out. Appreciating that we did that right away because that was a really good interview today. And uh, I think a lot of people are hoping that that guy that you just heard from is going to be the next Sabre coach. I'm hoping he's going to be the next Sabre coach. He's number one on my list even though Sheldon Keefe is out there and is a bright, analytical, young mind that the Leafs are trying to keep. Um, The only part of that not the only part, but the most enticing part about the Keefe idea is that it might throw the Leafs into a tailspin. If the Sabres try to interview him, well, they're going to have to make a decision on Mike Babcock. And then if that's if Babcock even wants Keith on his staff next year, um, there's a lot of different elements there. We'll get into the Leafs a little bit more in the second hour because they're super interesting right now. Um, and Jeff Blair had some things to say about them on our station earlier today. But Gronberg, man, I mean, how can you not like the idea? He's experienced, not in the NHL, but he's an experienced coach. He's been all over the place, college in North America, um, junior hockey in North America, Sweden with uh, as a scout, but also with the junior team and the men's team. So he's coached NHL players at the World Championships. He's coached junior players at the, at the World Juniors. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can think it's a bad idea. He's not that old. He's in his early fifties. I think he's fifty. And it's different. And don't we want the Sabres to do different in some respect? Because they keep doing the same thing. They keep doing the thing that other teams keep doing. The retread, the experience, the veteran coach. They did that with Bilesma and Ted Nolan to a lesser extent before that. And they tried the development guy with uh, Ron Rolston. And then they tried the assistant route who had some junior background too, and Phil Housley, who was a former player, and that we knew who that was. Like Everyone at the time liked the Phil Housley hire. Why? Because you had heard of Phil Housley. And to me, one thing that's been good about this coaching search is that it seems like it's gone on long enough to where we can really get to know the candidates, especially when most hockey fans don't really know one coach from another. It's tough to differentiate. And right now... It would have been tough to if they just hired Ricard Gronberg right away. Like the day after they fired Phil Housley. What would we have thought of it? We probably would have been intrigued because he's different and he's got two dots over the O in his last name. And that's like it would sound like a different hire. But there wouldn't have been time to fall in love with the idea. And I think that's what a lot of people have done now. The coaching search is coming up on a month. I mean, four days from now, it will be one month since the Sabres fired Phil Housley and we're still here. And you know, you got to give fans some sort of credit because a lot of Sabre fans are really smart, and I think there's a reason that as time's gone on that Gronberg has become the most fa- the, the the favorite idea. I did a Twitter poll about two days ago, who's your favorite Sabre candidate, and Gronberg ran away with it. Like, it wasn't even that close. Sheldon Keefe was at like 20%. Uh, Tippett was just under 20%. Other was at like 5%, and a lot of those were for Chris Taylor. And then Gronberg was sitting around 60 And that's only a small percentage of the fan base. It was about 2,000 votes, I think. But it's also a percentage of the fan base. And I'd have to think that most of us feel the same way. That we're ready for something different. We're ready for them to take a step and try something on. And, you know, try to get ahead of the rest of these teams that you're trying to climb over. Cuz talent isn't doing it. They've got better high end talent than most teams in the NHL and it's not working. And depth is important and your culture is important to some extent, your goaltending is important. Like every all that stuff's important, but like I'm watching the Avalanche last night and that's a prime example to me of Hey, you really only need one or two stud players, and if the rest of it's just okay, you you can go pretty far. Look at the Avalanche as a blueprint for what the bare minimum should be for the Sabres. Nathan McKinnon is putting on a show right now. I'm rooting for the Avalanche just because I want to keep watching Nathan McKinnon play hockey. He is box office, as entertaining as it gets on a night-in, night-out basis for hockey. Past Conor McDavid, I think he's the second best player in the league. And he's kind of proving right now that you only need one superstar player, and if the rest of it is pretty good, then you're going to be great. Or you can be great. And that's kind of what's happening. They're going on a run right now. McKinnon has been amazing. And then, like, the rest of it. Landis Cog is good. Makar as a rookie has been good. Rontanen is very good. The goaltending's been Okay. The defense is okay, but what's driving that bus? It's Nathan McKinnon. And you've got two guys who should be able to drive your bus here. Darlene was a rookie last year, so you don't want to put too, too much on him in that respect right away. But year two for him, Eichel right in the prime of his career. You're not going to need a whole lot, I feel like, around those guys to at least be a playoff team, at least in theory. Now, you've got to be at least okay at the other stuff. And you want to be great at a couple of things. Coaching, you don't have to be great in coaching if you have great goaltending. You don't have to be great in goaltending if you have good coaching and secondary scoring. So, like, the other stuff, like, you got to get at least two or three of them when it comes to secondary scoring, coaching, goaltending, uh, depth blue line. Like, can I get two of those things? And Gronberg, to me, just reads like – it. Seems so likely to me that it'll work because of what he stands for as a coach. It's not just communication. It's not just having a good culture, but it's utilization of players and using analytics to your, basically to proper effect. Like, Jeremy put it perfectly on Twitter. He brought out or mentioned how Gronberg called analytics cold values. And essentially, I think what that means, and even Jeremy pointed this, is that that means it's black or white to him. Like, it's evidence of stuff that is happening on the ice. It's not a narrative. It's not a feeling. It's like, that's what's happened on the ice. Cold values. Black and white. And to me, like, that's the type of coach I want the Sabres to get next. And he reads like that. He sounds like that. He looks like that. And I think the only other place I might be able to get all of those qualities is in Sheldon Keefe. And he's younger. But the problem there is... I don't think you could pry him away from the Leafs at this point. That seems hard for me to believe. We'll play Jeff Blair back in the second hour. But if you listen to him earlier today... Oh man. It sounds like to me Babcock could be in trouble. He could be in some real trouble with Toronto... If he does not take Sheldon Keith on to his coaching staff. And he might be hesitant to do that. Because everyone thinks Keefe is the next guy in line there. So... That might come to a head in Toronto... And they'll have to make a decision. And if they do that, my bet would be on them make, choosing Sheldon Keith. Kyle Dubas, the GM, goes way back with him, all the way back to junior hockey. They built up the, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the OHL. Then they built up the Toronto Marlies in the AHL. And now Dubas is the GM of the Leafs, and Keith's down in the AHL still. I'm assuming he wants to bring him up at some point, and that's kind of what the reporting has been on it. So, like, Gronberg and Keith to me, throughout this entire coaching search have been 1A and 1B. But the reason I think Gronberg has to go ahead of him at this point is I think you can just do that. Where's the competition on Gronberg? There's nothing going on speculation-wise about Ottawa hiring him. There's nothing speculation-wise going on about Anaheim hiring him. And that's the only other two vacancies right now. And that's assuming, by the way, the Senators don't just stick with Mark Crawford, who was their interim. They haven't at this point, but they could. So, I don't have much competition for Gromberg. I'm in a perfect situation to do that. And Keith, like that seems unlikely that you're going to be able to get him, even if you want him. Toronto, I don't think, is letting him go. So if those are the only two places that I feel like the Sabres can get all of those aspects, I'm starting to like the Dave Tippett idea more and more, but he's not quite on that same level, that same playing field to me yet. Um. So with all that being said, like, Gronberg has got to be the guy you shoot for. And I'm starting to think more and more that they're actually going to do it. I am. I wouldn't call it likely at this point by any means. But listen to some of the reporting right now. Bottrell, according to Darren Dreger, Bottrell might end up waiting. Or not waiting, but doing some of the interviewing process and coach search overseas in Europe. If that happens, that's Gromberg. That could very well be Ronberg because he is going to be in the same city as Jason Bottrell. And I thought this about a week ago, and I said it a couple times on the air that what are we waiting for? You're either waiting for Sheldon Keith to get done with the AHL playoffs. You would have been waiting for Chris Taylor to get done, but he's done. And you haven't done that. So you're not doing that. Um, you're waiting on Keith maybe at the end of the AHL playoffs. Or. You're waiting on someone that's in the NHL playoffs, and there is not a candidate on any team right now that seems to be getting any any respect as a head coaching candidate. So it's not that. And Keith's kind of unlikely, but you could be waiting on that. Or you're waiting to talk to Gronberg, who is overseas, and he's going to be in the same city as you. If you wanted him all along, if he was number one on your list, how would the mechanics have worked with Jason Bottrell? He probably would have done what's happened. Had a quiet coach search, maybe interviewed a couple other candidates like Dave Tippett and Todd McClellan, and then really wait for, all right, I'm going to Slovakia. I'm talking with this guy. I'm talking with this guy. And we're going to figure it out there. I'm really going to make a decision in Slovakia. And he has not gone there yet, or maybe he has, but the tournament hasn't started. So to me, interesting that Gromberg didn't really give anything away today on whether he's met with the Sabres, but he also didn't deny it and he's said he's talked with a bunch of NHL teams in the past couple of years. I think there has to have been some sort of communication, and I'm starting to think more and more as the World Championships approach that this idea might become more and more realistic, that the Sabres are going to have a guy or are going to have the first European head coach in the NHL since 2001. And that even in itself, like, that, they should get some sort of credit for doing that. Now, if you just missed Gronberg's interview, he kind of mentions how he doesn't really see himself as a European coach, but you know, like that's where he's kind of made his career. That's where the most respectable part of his career has come as the national coach in Sweden. And to me, like, I would give the Sabres a lot of credit if they decided to do that and decided to go with the Swedish coach. 8030550 is the phone number. I'll read through some of your texts on that when we come back. Um, and also on Twitter, Joe SneakyJoeWGR. I want to get into the NBA playoffs a little bit, just in a shorter segment probably when we come back, because they're super interesting to me right now, and I've been getting into an argument on Ben Simmons a lot with people today, so I just want to touch on that, and then uh, we'll get into some more hockey in the second hour. So then I cap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Just get
1: stops and making sure the ball is, uh, was uh, in his hands or mine. Um, and uh, that's what we did. Uh, he created, uh, you know, we knocked down some shots, uh, couple of great drives and we
0: also got stops.
4: Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76ers. It's been a great series. They're up 2-1 to one over Toronto. They are so fun to watch. There's so much talent on that team. They're like the Warriors light in a way. They don't quite have the maturity Golden State does. They don't have the coach. Not that that's a huge deal, but they don't have the shooters, really, is what I should say. Um, They're fun to watch. I hope they make the NBA Finals. I think the most exciting possible final uh, matchup would be Philadelphia versus uh, Golden State. So I'm hoping it gets to that point. I'm selfishly hoping the Denver Nuggets make it, but uh, that's not going to happen. It's very unrealistic. Sabres coach search. Ricard Gronberg. Uh, was on the station earlier today. If you missed that interview, it's on demand at WGR550.com. I totally recommend that you do it. Um, if you haven't listened, it's a great listen, so go check that out. Uh, we played it earlier in the station, too. Um, other names that are in the coach search right now, Dave Tippett's name has come up, Jacques Martin's name has come up, Chris Taylor, um, a lot of them. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on it. Let's go to Dave. Dave, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, uh, I'll
1: throw another name in there, Chris Snowblack. He uh, is coaching with Philadelphia right now. They've got a new head coach, Yep. so he may or may not be with them. But before that, he coached the Erie otters for the fourth consecutive fifty-win
4: seasons. Yes, um, I, I that was a that was a name that I liked at the beginning of the coach search. Right when Housley got fired, I put out an article on WGR550.com of some out of the box ideas. Ralph Krueger was in there. Um, the the what's the um, the college coach, UMass uh, or not UMass. The Minnesota guy. I don't remember his name. I had him in there. I had Knobloch in there. And I liked that idea, but it doesn't sound like there's any traction on that. And I would be wary of why he didn't, if he's such a hot candidate, why he wouldn't have just got the job in Philly. Like, they went with Elaine Vigneault. And that's kind of a... That's something I didn't want to see the Sabres do at the very least. Um so, like, they could have done that, and they didn't. And they also passed on him even as the interim. Like, when they fired Hackstall, they went with the AHL guy. They went with Scott Gordon. And if they had really thought that highly of Knobloch, and they thought that he was ready to be a coach, and maybe I don't want to take all my cues from the Philadelphia Flyers, but I, I would be a little wary of hiring him as my head coach when the Flyers basically passed on him twice, one of which was only for an interim role. So, don't like that idea. Um anymore at least. It would have been an interesting one if they somehow found their way to him at this point, I'd be intrigued. But I think there's better candidates at this point. Like we're in we're a month in, and I think we know who the top guys should be. I think most of us agree that Gronberg, Keith, Tippett, like those are the guys that they should be focusing in on. And certainly not Jacques Martin. I can't say that enough cannot hire Jacques Martin. And some be- Chris Taylor might be the most polarizing candidate because some people like that idea and some people don't like that idea. And I don't really hear a lot of other strong opinions on these other candidates other than Gronberg getting a lot of love. Um, so that's, I think, where I'm at on the Knobloch idea. Let's go to Dan. Dan, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
1: Hey, uh, we had a coach that uh, had a lot of potential and a coach that was, you know, in the beginning of the year, obviously making strides at the end of the year he failed but bottom line is you know my feeling is if the Sabres were going to fire Housley they better have lined up one of the top three candidates or not or basically not fire him at all so right now we're scraping at bottom of the barrel candidates for
4: a coach Do, do you think any of these candidates being mentioned though are less qualified than Phil Housley yes how? What What did you see from Phil Housley that made you think he's a good head coach? or even... What has Dave Tippett done? Dave Tippett... Dave Tippett went to the conference finals with Mike Smith as his best player.
1: Dave Tippett is a loser coach.
4: Dave Tippett went to the conference finals with Mike Smith as his best player. Michelle. Phil Housley had Jack Eichel and couldn't get out of last place.
1: Jacques Martin is washed up. Sure, I agree with that. What? I mean, come on. What else is out there? Chris My... Taylor is... We don't know what Chris Taylor is. But
4: that's the point. We know Housley's not a good coach. At least there's some question marks with some of these guys where there's a maybe.
1: We know what we had in him. The problem is
4: we're starting over again. You don't think they knew what they had in Phil Housley as a head coach two seasons in? We did. They The first season, we told them to tank. Dan, they got... what? No, they didn't. They did not do that. They didn't? No. So so Botterill didn't... Botchero went out and got veteran defensemen and trying to make the team better right away, like Marco Scandella and Nathan Beaulieu. I'm not saying that those were good moves, but those were indications that you weren't building for the future. You were trying to be good right away.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you were hiring Babcock, if you were hiring...
4: Um, they might get a chance. Then you fire Housley. Dude, you fire Housley. I, I don't see, understand what you think you saw in Phil Housley as a head coach that makes you not want to even take a stab in the dark at potential. someone else.
1: He, I saw potential in him.
4: And where? They were last place in the NHL and then fifth last. They had two of the best young players in the league. Okay. Did you see how he used Vladimir Soboka in overtime? Like, he, he played their least offensive player in the most offensive time of games. He had no idea what he was doing. Okay, but what what's to say these other coaches are going to do better? Well, you don't know that, but you know it with Housley. That's what I'm saying. You basically couldn't do worse in a lot of areas.
1: All been retreads. These are retread coaches.
4: No, only Tippett's a retread. The other guy... Is Sheldon Keefe a retread? Is Gronberg a retread? Is Chris Knobloch, who we were just talking about, a retread? Sheldon Keefe. Is Chris Taylor a retread? Sheldon Keefe. What about Sheldon Keefe? We don't know. But we didn't know about Housley. You know,
1: Sh- I mean... Sure. Jacques Lemaire is going to get you to, you know, to a certain point, but that's it. You know, there's... Romberg, we have no idea. I'd rather go with the guy we know. If you're going to do that, would you rather
4: have a guy you know as an average coach, or would you rather take a shot in the dark and maybe land on a super good coach? Because that's what they need.
1: We re- put it this way, the way I see it is Romberg. All these guys are average coaches.
4: How do you know Gronberg's an average coach? They- what has he done? What do you mean? He's done the most that he possibly could with the jobs he's had. That's what he's done. He's whenever, wherever he's gone, he's won. How about that? Coach and you know, What's that? Has he been coaching NHL talent? No. Because guess what? European coaches don't... Well, actually, he has been at the World Championships. He's been coaching... That's actually... He has been coaching NHL players. But he hasn't got an NHL job because no European coach... Like, all European coaches have been shut out since 2001. To me, it's not about his qualifications. It's about the fact that he never gets an opportunity because the NHL continues to reach into the same 40 names for the same 30 jobs. Well, that's why.
1: The thing is, too, they hired a European general manager in the Blue
4: Jackets, and he's continued to fail. Dan. Exception of this year. Dan, that's why I'm losing you, man. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I lost you well before that. The Blue Jackets are two games away from the conference finals. I said with the exception of this year. Dan- they've made the playoffs every year he's been there. What? Yeah, they've been the playoffs every year he's been there. Okay.
1: Well, bottom line is we had an average coach in Housley, and now we're looking. They
4: had a they had a well below average coach in Phil Housley. I can't believe anyone out there thinks that there was something that we didn't see in Housley. He had two freaking years. He kept playing their least offensive player in three on three overtime. They, he played their least offensive forward in late game situations down one. He had Vladimir Sabokia on the ice. That's inexcusable. He didn't utilize puck-moving defensemen, even though he was one. Like Lawrence Pilot. And even Nathan Beaulieu, who's a much lesser example of that. He didn't show anything. He took a team that was, you know, average. When they were really average is when they had Dan Bilesma. Like, that's when they were average. And then he finished with 80-some points. He took that team and got way worse. With two different rosters, he had veteran players right away. Give me a break with they were trying to tank. They had Nathan Beaulieu and Marco Scandella, and they still had Ryan O'Reilly and Evander Kane. He had the same players that Dan Bilesma did, and he went from you know an average team, but a slightly below average team in the NHL, to the worst team in hockey. There's no defending him coming back for another year. There never was, and there's a reason that that is a super unpopular opinion. Because nobody saw anything out of Housley that made you think, okay, maybe we should bring him back for a third year. It's insane. (laughs) I didn't think that was going to happen. I appreciate the strong opinions on it, because there hasn't been a lot of that in this coach search. Maybe we need more Housley defenders. There's a reason there's so few of them. If any other than that guy. Let's see, we're late to a break, but I want to take one more call before we get. Uh, I don't want to end on that note. It's this hour. Let's go to Buzz in Buffalo. Buzz, you're in the nightcap. What's up? What is going on, Joe? How are you, man? Dude, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm just lost at that last call. I mean, I
1: mean, I don't know what this guy's talking about. But I, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm barely gonna address that last call. But I like. I'm. I'm I think Gronberg is a fantastic idea. And so I'll address one point from the last caller. Gronberg does coach NHL players. He coaches them on a world stage against other NHL players, and he whips ass. Like, their system, their players, him as a coach, they win. They win gold medals left and right with NHL players against any other NHL players from all different countries. Canada, Russia, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, the United States, they win constantly. They're dominant, and he's doing it with NHL players. Bring him in,
4: man. Bring him in.
1: Go Bills, and, and don't... <laughs> yeah.
4: Buzz, thanks for the call, man. Um, yep, I echo that. All right, we will take a timeout here. We'll get into a little bit more of the coach, into the Leafs a little bit as well. Uh, Jeff Blair from... Uh, Sportsnet 590, the Leafs are super interesting. This is why I wanted them to lose in the first round, even though it was Boston, because they could be thrown into a tailspin, and that might uh, be what's just about to happen. Babcock, there are rumors about his job security, and Sheldon Keith. how he mixes in with that. Willie Nylander, Mitch Marner, there's a ton going on uh, with the Leafs right now. And it's, even though the Sabres are down here, like I'm, I'm taking some joy in the fact they're kind of in not-quite-chaos, but there's some rumbling up in Toronto. All right, we'll get into that when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Tune in
0: is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet.
1: Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even mind podcasts. Mind Whatever you love, hear it right here